Hi, I'm Bob Ramsey, Toronto writer and commentator. Twice a week, I offer my take on the world, from craven politics and unchecked ambition to secret sauces, bitter loss, and fist-pumping redemption. They're stories to live by. Quirky, high-style, tear-jerking, funny ha-ha, sometimes funny peculiar. My tales don't walk down the sidewalk and browse in the windows. They sneak into alleyways and come out onto different worlds. Alex Brown narrates each mini-podcast to bring to your ears what you see with your eyes in my twice-a-week blogs. And now, today's episode of Ramsey Writes. You can't use an old map to explore a new world. Written by Bob Ramsey. Years ago, we were walking through the Doge's Palace in Venice and stumbled into the map room, where, as far back as the 16th century, the Serenissimo Principe would view the vast reach of his Venetian Empire. I got close to one of the two huge globes set into ancient rollers and saw the crude outlines of what is now North America. Inching closer, I spied the St. Lawrence River and what is now Lake Ontario. I looked north and saw in tiny letters, St. Marie tra le Gironi. Could that really be the site of the Catholic martyr shrine outside Midland, 20 kilometers east of our cottage? Indeed, it was. Whoever said beauty is not on the map did that before maps went online and turned cartography from an often historical and static information source into a futuristic and predictive one. I relearned the magic of online maps, not by building an interactive map online, nor by getting lost on brilliantmaps.com, where I could see how the Peters map represents the world much better than the Mercator map we were raised with. But I found that thrill again from a book whose 450 pages, weighing 4.2 pounds, are jammed with 100 maps to survive the next 100 years. Scientist Steven Pinker calls it, a riveting account of humanity's most pressing challenges and innovative solutions. Terra Incognita certainly riveted me, not just because its maps of declining church attendance and union membership doubled down on why meaning has dropped in so many countries, but because these maps illustrate the argument of the book's co-authors, Ian Golden and Toronto-born Robert Mugga. These two intellectual boatmen are perfectly suited to punting you to a future where wildfires no longer spontaneously combust in the Arctic, page 55, temperatures are no longer the hottest in a billion years, page 58, gas flaring in North Dakota is no longer equal to one million cars on the road, page 66, and San Francisco ceases to be the world's most polluted city, page 63. Who knew any of that? Then again, who could avoid a map that charts rising anger around the world? Page 220. Oddly, the 2018 map shows that Russians were much less sad and angry than Canadians. But that's the problem with anything that's printed these days, and especially a book that takes at least a year from commissioning to publication. So I logged on to the Gallup Negative Experience Index, where the map is drawn from and got more up-to-date information. No surprise, last year, the whole world was annoyed. The same with hate. In 2019, the spread of hate groups in the U.S. was limited to western states like Montana, Idaho, South Dakota, and southern ones like Mississippi and Louisiana. 
A year later, the hate map was worse. And when you chart the growth of hate over time in America, from 2000 to 2020, it's like the kid brother of the Johns Hopkins COVID-19 map, which is now a sea of deep red. Just as frightening on a different scale is the incarceration explosion, where America imprisons more of its citizens per capita, by far, than the next in line, Cuba, El Salvador, Panama, Turkmenistan, and Russia. Just as enlightening is a map entitled The Gangs of Rio de Janeiro, which not only charts which drug gangs rule where, but which territories are controlled by the militia. As it notes... The high concentration of gangs and militia in a small area generates considerable violence. Mapping our problems is one thing, from mental health, where Canadians appear to be much less well than Russians and Chinese, to the rise of evangelical Christianity, where the US and Canada are laggards compared to most of the world. But what about using maps to change things for the better? Here's where the maps on culture are really eye-opening. Not just the old standbys of McDonald's and Starbucks outlets and the near-pandemic spread, until this past quarter, of Netflix, but the spread of the English language, which it's been doing since the 17th century, when that map I saw in the Doge's Palace was drawn. But unlike other languages that have spread as their empires did, French, Dutch, Portuguese, English is now the world's most popular second language by far. Of the 1.5 billion of us who speak English, only 400 million of us use it as our first language. It's no surprise that the authors would call for more globalization, as a cure for what ails us at a time when it seems in retreat. If these maps reveal anything, it's that the greatest threat we face is the short-termism of governments that are not addressing systemic risks and failing to cooperate to resolve them. More vigilance on the part of regulators, greater sophistication, and closer cooperation of policymakers are all required. As risks rise, populists and nationalists blame the failure on elites, as well as foreign migrants and refugees. This undermines the will to work together, leading to a further escalation of risks and splintering of social cohesion. The maps in Terra Incognita are charting humanity's impact on the planet. They are sad and wondrous to behold. They also confirm Einstein's command that you can't use an old map to explore a new world. Today's Ramsey Writes was read by Alex Brown. For more information on Bob Ramsey, his work, and all the other things he does besides writing, go to ramseyinc.com. That's R-A-M-S-A-Y-I-N-C.com.